Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this live stream here on the 18th of March, 2018. Um, Dr. David Proden here. So have some updates and some things, I think, um, which will help everybody gain some perspective on how to navigate chaos. So um, apparently I've got the microphone stuff down below. I don't know how to get that off right now. So we might just have to deal with that. Um so if you're in the chat, um, if you can let me through, let me know if I'm coming through. Oh, hey, Brent. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. So, yeah, I have set... Um, it wasn't intentional to have these uh, microphones in front of me and these stars. So actually, let me see if I can navigate through that a little bit here. Um, yeah, good, I did it. Yay. All right, so how I'm, so welcome everybody. Um, I'm gonna get started here in just a minute. So this is the second live stream for the Safety Doc podcast. So I've got my, turn my light down a little bit. Um, so it is March 18th, and I'm going to go through a few points from my book, School of Airs Rethinking uh, School Safety America. Why I'm looking over here to my left is I have everything up on the screen um, to my left that I want to touch on today. So. First off, um, we're going to get right into the title for this podcast, How Thinking About a Bagel Can Get You Through the Worst Day of Your Life. So that's actually the title for the first chapter of School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety in America, uh, my book, So, which you can find on Amazon and, um, you know, it's also an electronic version. But yeah, yeah. Hey, Anthem, welcome to the chat. So yeah, School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety in America. I'm just going to open this up right now. This is the copy that I take out when I uh, go to author events. So it has all of my notes. But as we will see, yikes. All right, chapter one, how thinking about a bagel can get you through the worst day of your life. We also have a chapter on transitioning into chaos. And so there's a lot in this book specific to crisis situation, crisis response. And when I put it together, and you'll find this in the book, you know, it came out in August, but I worked with the folks in New York City, the Department of Planning, talk about how they responded to 9-11 and just what happened in, with the natural response to, to 9-11. But we're not going to talk so much about 9-11 today. We're going to talk about what's just happening, what's affecting all of us right now. Um, hey, Nick, welcome. So 
So Nick, Brent, and Atham, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. So here's the deal. Um, my family was supposed to fly out of Milwaukee, land in Disney, Orlando, or, or you know, land at Disney in Orlando on Monday. And of course, that didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of processing through the change in our schedule. This was supposed to be our spring break, so our kids would have spring break. So nothing has really sunk in for them yet. And actually, we had snow overnight, so we're still in this kind of winter phase. We haven't hit hit spring here, so we're everyone is just kind of in this this mentality of of waiting for spring. But it's going to be a different spring, right? Um, a few things I've done. I've started to make uh, ten minute videos for my parents and also for my wife's mother. Her uh, father passed away about twenty five years ago, but. Um, so I would suggest that. I mean, if you can take out the camera, get your kids involved, if you're a parent, take, you know, a couple times a week, short little video, you know, five, 10 minute clip of something you're doing. You know, like we did a, a badminton game outside in our front yard yesterday, which is so weird, right? Because they're telling everybody, don't assemble in groups of more than five. Well, thankfully we have four in our family and people would walk past and then they'd, they'd always say hi, but they're kind of like walking down the middle of the road because they don't want to get close to anyone. It's just weird, right? But uh, so I took the, I set up the camcorder on a tripod and took a, a video of us playing badminton, cut it down to like a 10 minute clip, sent it off to my grandparents and my mother-in-law. And of course, you know, it's appreciated because they're home right now. They're being told, you know, not to get out and, uh, you know, we, we got to stay in contact. So a few promos at the start, because I haven't been doing this uh, lately, but yeah, check out safetyphd.com, safetyphd.com. That's my website. And you can also follow this channel. The, the people who follow this channel, it's gone up. So thank you so much for following uh, the channel. I do have 121 episodes of the Safety Doc podcast. Uh, all have a blog post. Most, most are at least an hour long. A lot of guest interviews. So there's a lot of content on there. There's, if you go back into my shows, there's, there are a few I think you should watch right now. One is the Force Majeure episode I did a few months ago before any of this was, was on our radar. What is a force majeure event? So I did an episode just on that. And force majeure is something so significant, we really couldn't plan for it. You know, like if we got tacked or hit by a meteor, or if we had a, a solar flare that took out the whole power grid. So what does force majeure mean and how does that kind of impact our lives and life and contracts and stuff like that that we might have? Um, so check that out. There's another one, Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice. It's basically, you're given two horrible choices. <laughs> Which one do you pick, right? Um, not that that's where we're at, but I, but I think by watching, by going back and looking at the title, looking at some of the, the shows that I've done, you're going to find information that's really useful right now. Um, so again, follow this channel. Go up, hit a like. I see one up there already. At them, Nick, there should be two. Brent, there should be three up there. Hit, hit the like, share this with people. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on Twitter at safetyphd.com. So let's get right into it. What is the Taurus? So we're talking about how thinking about a bagel can get you through the, the worst day of your life. So a bagel is, is just to give an image of a Taurus. A Taurus would be like a circle that we travel through every day. It's part of our life. It's self-similarity. And we expect things to be normal as human, right? Humans. We expect that um, today was going to be similar to yesterday. Tomorrow will be similar today. And that made a lot of sense up until about a week ago. Um, you know, how many people, you just get up, your alarm goes off, you know, you brush your teeth, eat your breakfast, you drive to work, do your job and come home. So everything follows this 
very similar pattern and, and we're conditioned to exist in that. I wrote about it in School of Airs, but on 9-11, when the Twin Towers were, were struck, there were people who knew that the towers had been hit by a plane, but they stayed at their desk and they continued to save their documents before they left. Like they, they didn't realize they had just been jettisoned into chaos. They didn't navigate that. So we're going to talk about that today also, working, navigating within chaos, because there are a lot of things that you can actually do. Hey, Bull Rush, welcome. Thanks so much. Um, it is cold down here, by the way, in the Safety Dock recording studio. It snowed overnight, so we still have snow on the ground right now. And I'm looking, it's like it's 61 degrees down here, so it's cold. We have, Spring hasn't gotten here yet. So any time... Um, Give me some self-similarity. You got it, self-similarity. So yeah, write about this in the book. I post it, if you go in my Twitter feed, I post it um, six pages from the book that talk about the Taurus and self-similarity and transitioning in the chaos. But so anyway, we expect everything to be pretty similar. Now, we have a, times that we move out of the Taurus. Here's some examples. If there's a power outage, right? So there's a power outage, we're outside of our Taurus you know, leave the phone, call the company and say, hey, power's out. And then it's kind of like, ah, it's been out two hours. Like, when's it going to come back on? I want to watch TV or something like that. So that's, it moves us out of our Taurus, what we're comfortable, what we're used to, because power doesn't go out every day. So that's a minor thing. You know, we get into a major thing, car accident. If we're in a car accident, that's a, it can majorly move us out of our Taurus. We can be physically harmed without, hey, Rob, how, the question is, how are you after the earthquake in Salt Lake City, man? I saw your post. So I am glad um, you shared that because I was concerned about you. And um, yeah, I'm glad you, your house didn't have any structural damage. So any Rob's in the chat right now. And uh, Rob lives a mile away from where that uh, earthquake was this morning in Salt Lake City. So we are very glad. Yeah, I imagine the... the uh, the aftershocks are un unnerving. So that's another example of a Taurus, right? I mean, you live in Salt Lake City. That's not something you expect. So that moves you out of your Taurus into chaos. So there's a little bit, we're into a little bit of chaos and we can be completely way out, like a, a way where the moon is, somewhere out here where we're in a place where we're, we never thought we would be. How do we function out here? So that becomes like a force majeure event. That's like this coronavirus where Things are shutting down. Schools are shut down for the rest of the year. Restaurants, everything, economy is staying. All this stuff is happening that puts us out into this area of chaos where we can't get any footing. But I'm going to tell you ways to navigate this. And actually, my personal level of anxiety on everything that's happening um, I, is, again, it's self-similarity, right? It's the first moments, the first 48, 72 hours when things significantly change that that becomes really hard to adjust to and trying to predict. But now I think we're kind of in this outcome basin. We kind of know where we're at. We're still, you know, most of us are still actually, we're healthy, we're alive, we're doing our routines. Um, and outside of these closures and things like that, I mean, if we go out in the streets, not a lot has, has changed at this moment. Um, so anyway, so let's talk. So what's the, trying to, there we go. Again, I've got kind of three screens in front of me here. So again, the Taurus is this kind of bagel that we're in for our life. We go around it. Sometimes we get closer to the crust. That's so like a power outage. If there's a car accident, we're outside of the crust. It's something we're not you know, used to. We might have been hurt. 
We got to replace a car. A force majeure event puts us way outside of the crust. It's kind of, that's where we are right now. So you got to recognize where you're at right now. This is, everybody is out in this force majeure event. I did a podcast on that. You can learn more. I did that a few months ago. Um, so, and it's not personal, right? We can't take this as personal because all of, we have no control over what's happening right now, but we have control over what we do, our decision-making. Our locus of control is always centered to ourselves. And we're going to talk about that. So we're in chaos. We have to recognize and accept that we're in chaos. Talked about on 9-11, workers who didn't recognize they were in chaos, they tried to ignore it, thinking things will go back to normal or this isn't as intense as what it is. So they stayed at their desk and they saved files um, when they should have been leaving, leaving the building. So don't do that. Recognize that you're in chaos. Embrace chaos. That's actually, chaos isn't a bad thing. Chaos is part of nature. I wrote about it extensively in the book. I talked with chaos experts. Dr. Paul Rapp, head of military medicine. It's all in the book. I'm not trying to pump the book here, guys. But, you know, Nick uh, Bullrush, you guys have read it. You know what's in it. So chaos is natural. Embrace that you're in chaos. And it's very liberating to be in chaos, actually, because your choices, um, you're, they simplify. And we'll talk about that. Um, don't become upset and, you know, recognize your anxiety. I, when I started to get information, I was, I was on the leading edge of the curve for some of the stuff coming out for the school closure. So I knew before other people did, I knew that this was going on. So I'm just going to pause in the chat room here. Nick, chaos gives you a chance to do things you normally don't get to do. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It liberates you from a lot of junk. It actually clarifies a lot of things. Um, so you're, you're right on with that, Nick. And actually Scott Adams of who wrote, you know, the Dilbert stuff and does that talks about how he believes this is a time of a great rapid evolution for humans, uh, versus, you know, that things are falling apart. And I, I tend to agree with him, um, on that. So anyway, like this stuff started to come out Tuesday. Um, you know, last week for me, I started to know that schools were, were going to be shut down and I, I, you know, before this was actually happening, but I'm telling my daughters, bring your stuff home and things like that. Um, start to get nervous because, yeah, we we're supposed to go to Disney on Monday. I still had plane tickets and all of that stuff. And I got to plan, you know, what happened if we get down there and get shut down? What are my contingencies to get out of there? What are my plans? So had to put that all in place, redundancies to get myself evacuated. Right. So um, but of course, that never happened. But don't be upset. Like, don't be upset. In my God, I mean, I was out yesterday. I was walking. I'm talking to my neighbors. You know, we're all, everybody's just keeping the natural distance. But they just want to talk at this point. So that's another thing. Just talk with people and just listen, be nice, and, you know, recognize your anxiety. And if you recognize it and just say, I'm going to have control over this, take control back over it, right? There's no need to stay in that. Bull rush. You said uh, you could say we're in a constant state of chaos. We've just become accustomed to a certain level. Yeah, absolutely. This is something. So people, people don't remember after 9-11, right? I was, I, re I remember 9-11 um, and things changed significantly in some aspects after 9-11, like air travel, you know, changed ma massively the way that we travel on planes. Um, but people don't, remember that, right? They don't, they, they, they just think it returned to the normal of September 10th, but it didn't like we, we went off to this new trajectory, which that's kind of where we're at now. We are starting to settle into this new self-similarity and we do that all the time. We did it with the financial crisis. You know, we do it if there's, there's localized, you know, hurricanes, firestorm, things like that. So you're right. We're always in a state of chaos and 
if we recognize that, we're in better shape. We're in much much better shape. So you can you can have much more control over your personal actions. It's a locus of control. So that's the turn locus. Of, yeah, Nick Y2K. I had friends that, during Y2K, and they were buying bags of rice, and I mean massive bags of rice. You know, like a fifty pound bag stacked on a fifty pound bag, and and they had the, all of this stuff put up because they thought everything was going to crash. So, I mean, we will always have these types of things. Um, and we will come to a point where this this chaos isn't going to come back to a bagel. Like, we'll probably, we, we might not have things again like buffets. Like, that just might be their self-serve buffets. Those, like, might be gone. There might be things in our life that just get tweaked. Point of touch, um, sale. So, meaning that we're probably going to evolve to a point when, you know, selling things... In, or buying at a store, you're not going to enter anything. It's going to all be set up where it's going to take it off. It could be a credit card or whatever, but you're not going to have to actually have contact with some machine or who knows. But um, let's talk about, um, I want you to do sometimes do a, a Google search for logotherapy, Victor Frankel, V-I-K-T-O-R, Frankel, F-R-A-N-C-L-E. He wrote the theory of meeting, but if you just type in logotherapy, it'll come up. So let me tell you about Viktor Frankl. He was a he was a doctor. I don't know if he was a surgeon, but he was a doctor who was imprisoned in the Nazi uh, prison camps. He was in different camps during World War II, and so as a prisoner, he talked about um, how he found meaning in life and how he basically uh, found his Taurus and self similarity. And even though like these chaotic events were happening, there were he could establish similarity and routines and embrace it. And, and he, I mean, it really was a way to reframe how he looked at life. He survived, he, he lived, he thrived afterwards. Um, yeah, bull rush stores already using tech. So you're right. So some of the things that are in place and aren't widespread, they're all, they'll be rapidly widespread, like the tech of, of no, um, contact point of sale. Um, so yeah, check out the book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. You can get it really cheap, um, and Victor Frankl. But I've read it several times. It's an interesting um, thought-invoking read from someone who's who's gone through really, really tough times. So how do we, how do we function in chaos? Chaos immediately changes your priorities, right? So my, my priorities no longer became, you know, Disney and, you know, figuring out that trip. It makes sure that we had the supplies, you know, that we needed, making sure that our relatives, especially my parents, had what they needed. Um, checking out that, um, you know, I my family was going to be, um, you know, taken care of, making sure I had enough, you know, gas in the car, any type of maintenance, anything I needed to buy that might not be there because stores were closed. Not talking hoarding, but like some things that I, I needed for some like projects that I was doing. I, I went and I got that. So, changes our priorities. And our so our priorities are basically, you know, immediately when this comes out of, okay, we have to sustain ourselves and our, our relatives, right? Um, so, but also um, at 9-11, right? When you're, when you're driving in to work, if you work at the Twin Towers and that morning you're supposed to like stop, you know, at your Starbucks and drop off your dry cleaning, like immediately it changes your priorities, right? You're not doing that. So it shuffles our priorities. Uh, chaos does it. Another thing, be aware of what's happening in your environment and seek authentic sources. I can't stress this enough. Every morning when I get up, I have a network of people across the country that I text and I say, what has changed today versus yesterday 
for you in your setting. And these are folks who work in the medical setting are working in areas where they're, they would be sensitive to a ramping up or, or some, ch some significant change in their location. Um, and so I get an update from what's happening from their perspective. Now that's much different than going on to CNN.com or whatever, where, I mean, now it's become just this big drama show for, for headlines. Um, it's, so I'm getting authentic stuff. And for the most part, I mean, people are saying they're not seeing uh, overwhelmed resources and they're, and they're being able to scale to meet capacity and, and, and all of those. So they're not hitting panic mode. And that is also information if, you know, if they're out in, in Philadelphia, for example, and I can get an idea for what might be coming my way if there's a interruption in supply chain or something else that's happening with hospitals. But right now, everything seems pretty stable from many people around the country that I'm touching base with on a kind of a daily routine. And really, it's and then I'm giving an update kind of from where I'm at. So I think that's very helpful. There's, oh my God, so many people, right? You get sucked into the media. Now, the news has really gotten good at it, the six o'clock year local news, because we're going to we're gonna just, you know, ramp and ramp and ramp and ramp and ramp this up. Um, and they need to inform you, but now it's just become overwhelming. Um, and of course, again, the best, I went out, I checked, I walked around kind of close to like where our medical facilities are. We have a National Guard um, major National Guard Center um, close to us. I can walk to it. Um, not a lot happening there, folks. I mean, it's at this, you know, kind of had some activity and now I, I checked it out today. It's less than it was yesterday as far as like, you know, vehicles around and things like that. And um, doesn't, doesn't seem that different. Looking at parking lots, um, at, you know, grocery stores, other things, Walmarts, they're they're not as busy. I mean, I can park halfway up. It's not like when this initially came out. So I'm, I think, remember that authentic assessment is a big part of being a researcher too. Like I'm a researcher. So when I write about this, when I wrote it in School of Airs, again, not a promo for the book, but I, I interviewed people like Katie Pashan of Cajun Navy Relief. So Katie would go in and be on the ground when there were hurricanes happening and, and she would be dispatching, you know, people to help rescue for hurricanes, Katrina and Harvey and stuff like that. And Katie would tell me what authentically what was going on or authentically what was going on with um, the Bahamas when they got slammed. So, you know, I had some podcasts to that event. So that's the thing. Find your sources, call people in this area and just say, if you walked out your house today, what are you seeing? You know, like we saw videos from China where people are like, boom, they're, they're down on a sidewalk and they're wearing a mask and things like that. But I mean, and again, I mean, all of this stuff is, who puts that together? I mean, what are you seeing when you walk? When I talk to people, I asked my neighbors, how are you doing? Some of them had relatives in other parts. How are they doing? Seem to be doing fine. It's again, it's a shelter in place. My brother-in-law lives in California under a mandatory three-week shelter in place with his family. Um, so he lives outside of, outside of San Francisco. So he said, you know, here's, he sent the, forwarded the stuff to me and they can leave their house to get you know, medicine, groceries, and for light exercise, as long as they stay an appropriate social distance away from other people. So, you know, said actually not a lot has, has changed. You know, you can go out in your yard and yeah, I mean, these big things aren't, aren't happening, um, you know, baseball games and stuff like that, but you know, it's not this have to stay inside 
um, foggy machines coming down the roads like we saw in, in China and, and sirens going off at eight o'clock at night for a curfew. That stuff's not happening. No one is telling me that. Nobody at all. Um, so again, use that authentic assessment. I can't tell you that enough. Um, so let me pause here and just check the, the chat to see where we're at. So, um, okay. Nick, uh, what happens when the torus is shattered or your self-similarity, what you're used to? One, normality eventually returns. Yeah, and it, and it will here, and it'll be different. We won't remember exactly, though. Um, it'll seem like it's normal to us, although there'll be some things, again, which will be permanently changed. Like your ATMs, you might not be pressing the buttons anymore. You might Your buffets might be different. The carryout might be a way of life. I mean, all of these things, education, but for the general part, yeah, you're right. Um, second is people establish a new Taurus adjusting norm. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. People will adjust. And it's already happening right now. People are adjusting. People are very good at, once you embrace chaos, that you adjust to self-similarity within chaos. And even people during World War II, and, um, you know, they, they recognize, they embrace chaos, and then they start functioning within chaos. Now, I also did a podcast. It was about... Um, soldiers and studies that had been done. Um, the psychiatrist's name was Apple, A-P-P-E-L, but you can find it. And I think it's like, you know, asking this one decision, this one question, I don't know, whatever, but you'll, you'll find it. It's a picture of a soldier over a, a grave or whatever is the, is the image I had for it. I don't do stuff like that anymore, but anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, Looking at that one, I mean, if you're on the front line, if things are changing rapidly, like soldiers um, in, the in the studies could do that for about 100 days on the front line, and, and then they would basically collapse. They'd either be like killed or like just mentally burn out. Um, so yeah, if we had every day, like the last few days uh, for you know another 95 days, all of us would be in really rough shape. But I don't think that's happening. I think we're, we're, we're settling things down. I mean, we kind of know where the closures are at. And we're coming into the self-similarity. So, um, but I'm going to move on. I just want, again, to, to stress and tell this to people, right? Tell this to your friends, tell this to your parents and just say, pick up the phone and call Aunt Edna or, you know, whatever. I mean, don't necessarily get into this big email with thing. You don't need someone to give like a, you know, like a huge report of what's happening, but just say, what's different today in your area that, you know, from yesterday, if you're driving around and stuff like that. I don't know. I found it. I found like as bull rush, as you said, I think things have, have rebounded pretty fast outside of the rushes to, to get kind of supplies and stuff. Um, so what is simulated annealing? So simulated annealing, I talk about in my book, it's an actual term. Um, and this is where we're at right now. So simulated annealing basically means that if you have a plan to get from A to B, so my plan was to get from Wisconsin to Orlando, but that was interfered with because Disney got closed and, you know, planes not flying. So I have to come up with a different plan for what I'm going to do over spring break. So this is simulated annealing. I still have spring break with my kids. So we have to come up with, with other things that we're going to do. So simulated annealing though is, so let's just say that we were going to go to Orlando. And let's just say it was as simple as a flight being canceled. Oh, this flight, yeah, is canceled. So now you can't take this flight. Well, now we have to look, what other flight can we take? Can we take a flight that would go to this place and then that would connect somewhere else and then it would get us to Orlando? Maybe that would work. Maybe we can get so far and then we have to take a bus. Maybe that would work. We can get so far, we have to take a car. 
So we think about this outcome basin, right? We got to get in the outcome basin. What is our outcome basin? It was getting to Orlando. So if we can't get there by, by this one flight, maybe we have other ways that we can get down there. So right now, simulated annealing is what is, what is your outcome basin? What do you want to accomplish? Okay. So it's probably, there's, there's going to be things that are interfered with right now. Maybe like the way that you shop, some of that stuff. What are some other ways you can work around that? Like, can you go at different hours? Um, do you have stuff from other families that you know that you can, you know, swap some stuff? Is there some stuff with neighbors you can share versus like getting, you know, if like your lawn care stuff is, is, isn't available because they've shut down because they're caring for their kids right now. So these are the type of things we, we get so linear. There's only one way to solve something. There's only one way to do something. Um, and that's a mistake, right? There's many ways to get to an outcome. It's a called, it's convergent thinking is where we always think there's one way to do things. That's the way we kind of have taught kids in school It's convergent, but it's divergent. There's many ways to get to an outcome. There's many ways to solve problems. It's this Apollo 13. How do we solve the problem? You got to be creative. You got to look at divergent ways to do things. So simulated annealing, another example is, um, you know, you get up on a mountain, you get halfway up a mountain and it's like, my God, I don't know where I'm at. I'm lost. So you have to make a decision. Are you going to go up higher? And you're thinking, okay, you got to weigh this. I'm going to go, going to go up higher where I can maybe see if there's something around me down below, like a village I can get to, or am I going to stay here? Am I going to go down? So every time you make a decision in simulated annealing, you're basically thinking whatever decision you make will get you a little bit closer to an outcome basin. So if you're doing the mountain, your outcome basin is like, I got to get rescued. I got to get off of here. Like either I got to be responsible for my own rescue or, you know, I've got to make myself available for the rescuers. So there's always this, this thing you got to weigh. Think about the mountain. You go further up the mountain. If you get further up and you can't find anything, well, now you've distanced yourself further from rescuers and it's probably colder and things like that. If you stay where you're at, what's the value of that? If you go down, can you make it down to the bottom? So, um, yeah, Nick, quick, somebody find the flip chart. Um, so bull rush, my neighbors and I are meeting tonight to figure out cross-firing positions on our street. <laughs> wow. I'm on a hill and I'm at the top of the hill. So I know there's an advantage to where I am. I am located. Um, so yeah, um, let me move our intent. Okay. We always got to be thinking of the outcome basin, but there's different ways to get to our outcome basin. It's, yeah, it's going to be different for a lot of us, Scott Adams. So, so okay. So we've talked about that. Now, I want to switch and talk about education, okay? And if you've got, if you're, just just think about K through 16 education. I have, I, I think there's five ways, and there's probably many more, but there's five ways education will be better when this corona event is done, okay? The first is, Right now we have, think about it. Um, you know, if you're a do doctor, teacher, hairstylist, whatever, in one state, for some reason you can't do that in another state. Like that doesn't make any sense, does it? How the hell is that even a thing where your license doesn't allow you to practice across state lines unless you, you know, take some additional college classes to suddenly make you qualified to, to do this job, you know, just over an imaginary line. So I think all of that stuff will be gone. I just completely see that that is going to be gone. That was a good way to make money, right, for the states because, I, re I mean, state licensing. God, here in Wisconsin, you're a teacher. You had to pay every five years to re-up your license, and you had to take six credits 
from a university or do this complicated professional development plan, which was just bullshit because people would just, you know, put something together and have somebody sign off on it. It wasn't learning at all. And these taking these six credits and stuff, they would, they would, what they do is they take conferences and they say, oh, the conference, and we're going to give you one credit if you pay us $190. And a lot of times, you know, their employer district would reimburse that, but that stuff was all garbage. So if we think even all these systems, medical education, um, you know, retail, um, transportation, all this stuff, it starts out really good. And then it gets more legislation added to it, more other things. So yeah, school's okay now, but then you got to add all of this testing that you have to do of kids and you have to do this and then you have to do this and you have to do this. That's all bullshit, right? That doesn't make schools better. And they just get bogged down in this. So it's this thing where they'd shed all of this ancillary crud right now. I don't think this stuff will come back. I don't think we'll see state testing coming back. And remember, it was like 10 years ago, this whole big thing of race to the top funding. I think it was through the Obama administration, race to the top. What garbage. What complete garbage. So these districts put, or these states put together these immaculate plans that they hired staff for. And yeah, continue as a joke. It's a complete joke, especially look at, we got the internet available in technology. Um, unbelievable. I mean, I, re I remember my 2007 Buick bull rush. Um, I needed to change a headlight. It's kind of tricky because apparently someone who actually engineered worked on that said, well, yeah, you got to realize though, when engineers build cars, like the dudes that did the headlights might've done that earlier in the process. And then the dudes that are doing the air filter do it a little bit later. So they like take up some of the space. I'm like, okay. But I went online and I found like three videos. Right. And somebody said, here's the deal. Um, here's how you need to do it. It sucks, right? It's not it's designed well, but here's some shortcuts. Here's some tools everybody has. You can do it. And that's I added, That's what I did. Like I learned. So this whole thing of continuing ed right now. Yeah, it was different before the internet, but this this continuing ed thing now, it, it's, a, it's garbage. We don't need it. Um, in, the, in the mode of like, you have to attend a conference and, and stuff like that. So anyway, teacher licenses, we're looking at this education K-16. That'll be that'll be national. And it should be national. Why the hell shouldn't it be? It should have been national 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's no need for people to take their cut off of that stuff. So we had that happen in Wisconsin where they they got rid of the, the license and they all made them all license, lifetime license. And the world didn't stop, right? The world didn't stop. So number two, um, school building referendums have become bloated. Absolutely. We passed in, in here in our state billions of dollars of referendums in the last few years, billions. And the where I live in my conference, we're one of two schools right now that still have a turf, a grass, actual grass, okay, actual grass football field. The rest have all gone to these artificial turf fields and they're hiring freaking turf managers, right? Turf managers. To, they got to manage the, the artificial turf field and they've gone to skyboxes and jumbotrons. You know, I remember going to games at Lambeau Field back in the early 90s when they got the first jumbotron, which is antiquated size of a garage door. And we were all excited as a Packers. These school districts are putting up on their athletic fields jumbotrons. I mean, these things are like 40 feet across by 30 feet down. It's insane. But do you, I mean, do we need this? Do we need to be putting this on the taxpayers? to do this in neighboring districts around me have bought, they, they've passed this stuff like half billion dollar referendums. And they're in the process right now of getting ready to open these massive structures, these massive fields. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's just, it's just insane. Right. So, you know, we, we've gone way over the top and the thing is like, no one figures they have to pay for it. Well, you know, it's amateurized over our population. The economy is going up. So, um, you know, we'll vote it in and then next year, prop more properties come in online and stuff like that. So it's really not going to hit us. Well, yeah, you just can't spend stupidly. And schools have done this on infrastructure for a long time. And really lately, we have a district next to us. It's small. I mean, K-12, it's like seven, 800 kids. And they put up a 1,500 seat performing arts center that just opened this year. Completely unnecessary, right? Completely unnecessary. So, you know, we go back to this, um, you know, this turf. I mean, I played football on turf. Every team play had turf where we played, you know, had, had regular grass, right? It was lumpy. I mean, when I played high school, it used to be the dump in our town, and then they put like a few feet of dirt on top of it and level it off. And that's where we played. But, you know, it, it's just insane to think of how the spending has gone with these, these districts. And it is, it is way out of control. That's going to come in line. Taxpayers aren't going to put up with it. Taxpayers aren't going to put up with these referendums. They're going to say, what do you need? What, what do we actually need versus all of these luxury items which have been pushing these referendums? Uh, grade levels. Here's number three. Grade levels. K through 12 grade levels, you got to go to kindergarten, first grade, second, third, fourth, all that'll be gone. It should have been gone already, right? It should be modules. Uh, we should allow kids to play to their strengths. Hey, you get to, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you find out that math is your strength, engineering is your strength, programming is your strength, and that's where we should, you should be taking the classes. Yeah, this whole myth of we got to be well-rounded. Like, we got to have kids well-rounded. I remember that, man. Don't you remember that? Like, I remember taking classes in college because I had to take so many humanities classes. I'm like, what in the hell am I taking this for? I mean, it was entertaining, but it didn't help me at all quickly get to the end goal of what I wanted to do. So let me look over in, in the chat. Um, Bullrush, uh, YouTube has saved me thousands on car repairs. Yeah, I mean, in YouTube, I learned, I mean, there, anytime, um, right? We can go or, or we can make a video and post it on there. It's it's become a very ubiquitous, efficient source for information. Um, I hate it playing bullish on artificial turf. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even I, part of this too is artificial turf. I think it becomes a, a bragging point for some of these districts. They have open enrollment. So the, the bigger building you can have with all the fancy stuff and, and the turf and all of this stuff with the athletics, my God, they have programs down here close to Madison where you enroll your kids in, these, these camps for, you know, baseball and, and football. I mean, it's year round stuff. Parents are committing four or $5,000 into these things. So again, it, chaos simplifies priorities. Priorities are going to be, you're not going to be doing this crap, which you didn't need to do. And yeah, when I, when I grew up, one of the best players on our football team went down to the concrete factory in my town is a town of a thousand people in the concrete factory at this massive sand pile. And he would be at the bottom of that sand pile and he would, he would hike as fast as he could up to the top of it. And then he would come back down. I mean, this thing's big. Like it's probably like, you know, 150 feet to get to the top of this sand pile that they use for concrete. And uh, there was a lot of resistance with that, but that's how he trained. Like he's not doing some fancy crap in this other stuff. I mean, it's like watching Rocky train in uh, Rocky four Drago, right? Rocky's, you know, lifting the rocks and stuff like that, but we can do these things. I mean, look at like Drew Bay's, um, you know, website, uh, Drew, DrewBay.com, you know, our, our friend who um, works on fitness and stuff. I mean, people get, get you know, so, so brought into this. 
school districts putting up, uh, you know, million dollar athletic uh, training facilities like my hometown did that for God's sakes. There's only 1200 people in the whole town and they have a whole wing now, which is like its own fitness center, you know, so come on. Um, okay. So we talked about teacher licenses. That's going to change where if you practice in Wisconsin, you should be able to practice anywhere. Um, vice versa. And then school buildings. Yeah. Referendums. That's, that's going to get down to what do you need to function? I mean, what do you, what do you need versus all these luxury items that go on? And don't tell me you need artificial turf field and, you know, all of these types of things by God. And why can't we make buildings out of block? I mean, I don't, I've, I've, I've have toured very impressive fire departments, which are just built out of block constructions, for example. And here's a good example on the whole fire department thing as a firefighter. So here's the deal. 1989, um, my hometown bought uh, a new fire engine. So it would be like a modern fire engine. Before that, it was all the, ant the 1960 stuff, you know, 500 gallon midship pump, small trucks, bought a big truck. 1250 gallon pump. I mean, like a, like a truck you'd see today. Here's the deal though. So they had some choices to make. So you, you get pitched all this stuff with a truck. You can do this. It can be a pumper. It can be a tanker. Yeah. Don't forget. A truck has like a purpose. You don't try to hybrid these things. Um, but anyway, so yeah, bull rush running in soft sand is next to torture. It was, this guy was dedicated. So by the way, I play it, but yeah, I mean, but it was, it was sleeping was my strength. Yeah. Um, so so fire truck. So here's the deal. So you sit down and let's just. All right. I don't know who that is. So, but um, thank you. Stay. Don't don't tune out. We got more here. All right. My nine year old's not doing your job of screen calls. All right. So uh, talking about the fire truck. So we had options, right? They came in and they said, here's the deal. You can have, um, when it came to wheels, this this stands out. This is a hell of, a, hell of an important point. Okay, this truck, first of all, that was delivered in 1990. It was 1990 chassis. They still have it today. They take care of it, right? They take care of it. This fire truck doesn't get a lot of mileage. Um, so they take care of it. So let's do this live. Who is this? Who is this? Okay, yeah. Um, we can't take your call right now. You need to call back uh, a little later, okay? Okay, thanks. Bye. I don't know. Um, so here, here's, here's the deal. So the fire truck, they said, okay, the wheels, right? We have some choices. You can either put on um, chrome. On, you can get chromed wheels on the fire truck, right? Looks great in a parade. Looks awesome. Chrome wheels. You can get chrome caps to go over the wheels and you can get steel. Steel's the cheapest, right? We can paint them up red. Steel's the cheapest. You can get chrome. Chrome is more expensive. And here's the deal. They say, well, you're going to have it 30 years. Chrome looks really nice during a parade. Yeah, it looks nice during a parade, but it's also more money. Like, oh, it's amortized. Yeah, but it's money you don't have in an account that is, you know, invested or gaining interest. Yes, I know what's going on with the with the stock market and all of that, but still, you have you have money set aside for the next truck for the replacement truck and by putting all this fancy shit on a truck on the truck that doesn't do anything to fight fires right okay it doesn't do anything to improve the function of that truck all you've done is just make a parade machine and i remember that and what we did 
as a community, right? What, what our community is, they bought the steel rims. They bought the steel rims for the truck. Looks fine, right? Truck is fine. Functions completely fine. Save the money. That isn't a fund for when they need to replace that truck eventually. But we will see that in schools. There's a lot of this chrome rim stuff that's been going on. That's absolutely been insane. It's been, scra- I've been scratching my head on it. That chrome rim stuff will be gone. Chrome requires a lot of maintenance. Yeah, especially in Wisconsin where it's salty. Um, okay, so we talked about um, school buildings, you know, getting those under control, like the actual physical buildings that are being approved in referendums. Um, grade levels are outdated. Get rid of that stuff. Four, virtual education will expand. And it should, right? We should be able to do YouTube or um you know, small virtual groups for for classrooms and and kind of splinter down um, classes. You know, okay, we're going to do this for coding. Um, you can go online and take some some courses, um, or you can get live chat with someone. They can, you know, as a coach, they can get you through some of this stuff. Or um, it's not that it's not that impossible, right? I've been doing online ed as an instructor for fifteen years on a whole bunch of different platforms, and they've only gotten better. And so this doesn't make any sense. Um, virtual education will expand and it should expand. There's, it absolutely should. So we're going to see that this whole thing of needing brick and mortar space. I think brick and mortar, I think Rick and Morty, but um, brick and mortar, that's, re- it's ridiculous. I mean, if anything, are the schools of the future, the Billy's bigger and bigger. No, it's not, it's not that way. So this will permanently shift that because I think schools for districts and communities will be seen as liabilities, right? Um, under these types of situations that what has happened right now. I mean, all of these buildings are liabilities. In a way, you have to keep these buildings up. You have to keep this massive staff in this building up and everything to do that. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting. As a side point, um, too, you know, busing and mass transit. Well, how the hell does that work during a pandemic, right? We know we've been talked all this thing of like, you know, Mass transit, mass transit, San Francisco. Well, if you have bought into that fully mass transit, you're screwed now because you don't have a vehicle and the mass transit not running. And it's the same thing with schools. Mass transit, we'll, you know, we'll get everybody, we're going to bust everybody and all of this stuff. Well, yeah, during, during a pandemic, that model doesn't work, right? So we're going to move toward virtual ed. So let me just recap. Teachers, licenses, they can teach across all states. Bullshit why they can't already. Number two, school buildings aren't going to be these palaces anymore. It's going to be common sense. What do you need? We can vote that in. We can use, you know, little decorative brick design to to make it look fine. I mean, which they've been doing on post offices and stuff like that for years in county buildings. Um, it's just aesthetics, right? Uh, number three, grade levels are outdated. Four, virtual expand. Number five, number five, professional development for for educators and probably all field, but for educators, I did a podcast on this a while ago. How conferences vendors just come in and take over conferences. Vendors pay. And these conferences make tens of thousands of dollars. And basically, it's a big damn social event you come to. And nobody, you come in and nobody really learns anything, right? No one, and you don't apply things. And yeah, people say, no, it's really valuable networking. Bullshit. You can do all of that online. And and yeah, if you want to do networking, maybe you have one networking event. But these conferences, I mean, these things were happening every week. These are all over the place. I knew school business managers um, you know, who, who are telling me staff are coming to them saying, Hey, like, you know, here's a new conference for whatever, whatever. And here's a new conference for this. And here's a new conference. Well, you can't be out of the building 12 days a year at conferences. Okay. 
and you know, we also have to pay for, for substitute teachers and this stuff. What if we did a virtual conference? What if you're here with some other people and you do it for the morning and the afternoon, you sit down with our actual curriculum and figure out how are we going to apply this and improve the curriculum? How are we going to tweak it? I worked with an administrator years ago. She was like 75. She was like the oldest one in Wisconsin. That was her approach. She's like, I'll give you a half day. You pull out the curriculum. She actually had the curriculum still on legal sheets of paper. Okay. She, for like every grade level, it was, it was pretty incredible. Like the front would be like what we're teaching. The back would be like the resources, which might sound antiquated. It was, but the only thing is the technology really didn't exist to put that online yet, but she was ahead of her time consolidating that stuff down. And she'd tell, give it to people and say, here, how are you going to improve the curriculum? How are you going to make it better for kids from what you've gained in the morning? So all of this stuff completely makes sense. I got so sick of these conferences and I get them in my email all the time because they're just ripping people off. They're just ripping people off. And the, and of course the money's there. Districts give grant funds and all this money, just free money for all of this stuff. Well, that changes during a time of chaos. It resets priorities. Our priority is that, you know, we need to provide education. We need to push out more virtual platforms and all of this stuff of, you know, sending people to, to away to conferences. That's the other thing. This is kind of crazy, right? You got to go away to learn how to serve people in your community, how to serve kids in your community. We're going to send you somewhere else to get an education about that. That doesn't make sense. That just doesn't, that, that just doesn't hit. So, um, so yeah, here's the, okay. Um, couple things from the chat room. Um, so Nick, nothing's too good for children. So yeah, I'm a dad. My kids attend school. I want them to have competent people, safe schools, good facilities. Um, but I've also, as, as Nick, as you said, it's customer perceived value. People say, you know, we've got to have this new level of whiteboard. We have to have this new athletic field. We have to have this. And, and it crosses the point of of what is what is necessary to deliver versus um, wh what becomes, I, I guess, um, almost a luxury type of, of thing. You know, it's like, oh, we need new scoreboards for the gym. And by the way, we're going to add replay boards to those scoreboards so we can show. Well, no, you don't need that. We don't need that. Knock that off. Like if you need a scoreboard, scoreboard. Okay, we got it. Um, Bull rush conferences about conferences, meetings about meetings. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, too many meetings, right? <laughs> you got to cut this stuff down. It's got to be a TED Talk mentality. And yeah, just so when we get up to um, about 4.15, I'll shut it down, folks. Just so you know, at 4.15, I'll end the, the show. So we ended at an hour. But yeah, so, so you know, we need a TED Talk approach to this stuff. Um, that's one thing I think blogs have done really well and Twitter's done. It's made you consolidate your information really clearly in a small uh, number of words, right? I write articles for major journals and they said, Dave, we need it to be like six to 700 words. So this whole thing too, God, I used to go into school as an administrator and my superintendent every Monday morning had this, this meeting that would be like four hours where we'd all have to meet as a cabinet. God, that could have been done in 45 minutes, put together an agenda. But I mean, it was oh, just... Again, these inefficiencies, which will be gone because you're not going to have the money. You're not going to have the tax base coming in to support this stuff. Education is going to have to become really lean and mean um, after this event, which I think is an evolution forward. I definitely think that's an evolution forward. Um, Brent in Brent uh, wrote, I published an article on LinkedIn back in 2015 talking about the future of education basically going in the direction you're thinking. I'll send it to you link via Twitter. Thanks. Um, thanks, Brent. Yeah. Um, I, 
and like here in Wisconsin, we have, you know, many state universities and they're not needed. We just don't need the state to be peppered with all of these four-year universities. It made sense back in the day when, um, you know, it was a, it was a difficult to travel, right? We, we didn't have the communication system. We didn't have the internet. And now like the new dorms, even look at the new dorms that are being built on campuses. They're luxury dorms. I mean, they've got everything imaginable. Plus, you know, it's it's not like the dorm where you go in and and you've got a, a table. It's kind of split in the middle in, in two beds. And then that's the thing. These have like a whole living room in this. And it, it's just crazy. Again, it, people lived way outside of their way outside their means. Bull rush. Common Core was the final nail in the coffin. Absolutely right. Common Core was garbage. Just like race to the top um, of, you know, put together these academic criteria for your district and all this stuff. Bullshit. That was, that was horrible. There was just a competition between who had the best grant writers um, and, and also favoritism, right? What it really means, what it really means is you should have said race to be innovative. How are you going to deliver education um, in different ways? All right. How are you going to be divergent? How are you going to embrace simulated and kneeling different means? Um, virtual education. How are you going to go to modules? How are you going to get kids graduated faster? Yeah, hell, that would be something to see and actually like become a demo site and, and have, you know, be able to be able to show that. So, but not this whole thing that just become a big testing thing where, you know, the testing companies became super rich off of it. Um, Atham, I wish I didn't have to pay $600 a month to take classes like anthropology, English, and history. I don't need to be well-rounded. I need to specialize chemical engineering major here. Yeah. Atham has it exactly right on. Atham has it right. Um, I mean, when I, God sakes, when I had anthropology class in college, this actually happened. Our anthropology teaching, which I, I'm not an anthropology major, right? But I had to take it. And it was cool. It was kind of interesting, but it, not interesting to the point of something I would pay for. Like, okay. And he brought it, he, he brought in toilet tank topper, uh, the toppers that would go off of a toilet tank. So imagine a toilet tank, you take the topper off. And apparently if you hit these things with a, a rock, you can make a flint out of these, these things, right? So he's, he has these things and we're, we're doing this lab in class. We're all getting cut up from this damn thing. And I'm thinking, this is not only ridiculous, but I'm paying for this. Like, what the hell? I'm learning flint napping, which nobody I know flint naps for Christ's sakes. I don't flint nap. I mean, maybe you do. I mean, Bullrush, Nick, Anthem, Brent, you guys doing that? But this was, Jesus, it was just insane, right? And really, I mean, by kids, they, they get to, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. You pretty much know where their strengths lie. Play to your strengths, right? Play to your strengths and start getting into those areas and bolster those up and get them out. Um, you know, so they either post-secondary career, they can further into those areas versus having them take a lot of stuff to be well-rounded. Yeah, that that's BS, right? That's just keeping jobs and adding bloat to universities. And also, you know, we see it at the K-12 school system. What do you need to graduate? Well, now you need 35 community hours that you got to do in this type of thing. And you got to be in four clubs and you've got to take, you know, three classes and whatever the hell. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. We all know that, right? We all know. We all know you don't need to do that. Um, yeah, bull rush. 90% of my degree was completed while sitting in my house. Um, so, you know, that that's that's been my major... Um, you know, frustration with, with education, but this is changing it. Like it forced the hand, right? The coronavirus incident, I guess, is what we'll call it. I don't know what the hell the real name of it will be when we look back on it, but it's moved the whole field into chaos. It's moved the whole field of K-16 education into chaos. 
and again, I've taught, I've developed online classes. I've taught people, I teach for university right now. I've done 17 years. It's very effective, very effective. I would say to some level, my online classes, I do videos, video lectures that go with them, time with students. Um, it's working. Um, Atham wrote, teachers are sucking us dry. Uh, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, not to be anti-teacher and things like that. I, but Atham, I mean, I agree right now that the system is, is completely broke, right? And I would say that as a school ad administrator, it was not going to change. It was not going to change unless something like this happened where, you know, we, people, districts are going to get notices from their state saying, listen, you have to figure out how you're going to do this with 30% less funding starting in fall. And, or maybe they're going to get a notice saying, listen, you're not going to open in fall. We're going to keep everything closed. So then, I mean, how are you going to, to move forward? And they will, I mean, they'll have to evolve rapidly and there'll be some people who just won't. They'll be the people on 9-11 who are going to try to save their stuff at their keyboard as the towers are crashing and those people will be lost. But there are going to be other people who are going to jump into that and just rock it forward. So I think it's this massive evolution that we're going to see. And we're, again, there's a lot of good things that are going to come out of this that would not have come out of something that was not a chaos situation, something that didn't rocket us out of our Taurus. This, but this whole, there's a lot of people out there just hoping I'm going to go back to my school in two months and everything's going to be just like it is. And the bus will pull up and the bell will ring and kids will go in. And that's gone. That's gone. And it probably shouldn't be gone. Okay. It should have been gone a while ago, but there was no way to shake all those barnacles off the system, all these regulations, professional development, all this stuff, unless you had something like this. It said, you only have this much money. You're only going to have this much access to kids because we're going to keep things limited. We're going to do things different. We don't want to do as much busing for whatever, whatever. Um, and bull rush at Anthem, too many admins. Sorry, Doc. No, no, I agree. I agree. I agree on that. Um, as, as someone that was an administrator, um, administrative of, you know, compensation was, was extremely high. Um, also, we could have shared administrators across neighboring districts. We could have done that. I wrote a, a shared services article about that a few years ago. But um, there, a, absolutely, we could have consolidated. There are 421 districts in Wisconsin. That is a lot of districts. And one is on an island, for God's sakes, a Washington island. You could look it up. You got to go like 30 minutes by ferry over choppy waters to get to it. So you don't need a superintendent for every district. You don't need those principals. And here's the other thing. You know, someone ran this by me once. It's a hell of a great idea. They said, Dave, what if they were they're, um, an architect, structural engineer, whatever the hell it was. And they said, you know, what if you had every state for like um, for schools, they, they did some, some approach saying, listen, um, like for a school building, here's 10 choices you can pick for a school building. If you have a referendum, if you do this, we're going to give you more state aid, but here's your 10 choices. And they're like, no, we got to customize it to our community and to our site and all that, but bullshit, like a McDonald's, most McDonald's look the same. It's the same building, you know, a McDonald's, a Burger King and all of this. Those are similar buildings, a Ponderosa, whatever hotels, they have universal kind of designs that they use, and then they just put them in the areas. Same thing with curriculums that we could, you know, we can have these standard, standardized things, standardized professional development, stuff like that, that can all be standardized. And it, it should be to simplify, lower out the costs, push all of that out there. But for administrators and at the university level, it's crazy too. I'm the assistant to the assistant of whatever, whatever. I'm like, what the hell is this? I have no idea what you do. Why are you here? 
So, you know, this is this will be a shakeout where we're going to get back down to the core of what we really need to function. And we absolutely do not need this level of administration, um, especially when we have smaller districts kind of in, in, a, in a geographic area that can that can be consolidated. It will be consolidated. So, yeah, Anthem, you're right on. I take no offense to that. At all. Even if that had affected me, if I was in administration, I would look at it and just say, this is what has to happen. It's the reality of the way life is, and it should happen. Um, but who admins the admins? Yeah, yeah. There's there's some, I mean, if you go in right now, I mean, I've been talking to people, and, you know, schools have all these positions they didn't have, right? Well, now we have our director of community relations. Well, what's that? It's a person that does the newsletter and keeps the website up. My God, when I was... When I was teaching back in in 1999, okay, the the high school tech teacher I, or the 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 tech lady for the district, she was great. She was awesome. She had like three high school kids that she put in this mentor program, and they would go around and they would set up computers for staff and teach them how to do certain things. Again, this is like 20 years ago, but um, she had that whole program put together. And so instead of having two tech people, she's put together a program where kids are getting essential stuff. And imagine 20 years ago, if you got a, a heads up and some knowledge and training in tech and these kids were able, and they were doing it right. We don't do that anymore. Instead of doing a program like that in a school district, they hire more tech people that are paying $120,000 a year. Oh, you're a network technician. You're this technician. You're this technician. We have kids who are completely capable and should be doing these things as kind of a, uh, intern credit type thing already in their schools. And that's happened. And now it's gone. There are many, many, I mean, think of even, you know, setting up the electronics, problem solving some of this, my God, and they're probably better at it, right? They're probably better. Let me check over in the chat. Thanks guys for keeping, keeping the chat going. Um, all right. We're thinking about going to homeschooling with my daughter, uh, bull rush and okay. Um, they're probably just pick whichever one gives them the most state funding. I don't know. Maybe that's going to create some competition between states for teachers and talents. I don't, I don't know. My bull rush, my elementary school had one principal. By the time I got to high school, we had eight, one principal, one VP. Dope. So yeah, my dad, my dad for 36 years was a K-8 principal. Okay. K-8 principal or, you know, really pre-K principal. So, um, and then there was a high school principal and a superintendent. And now in, in the district that has fewer students than when he was there, um, there are many more administrative positions and specialized administrative positions and assistance to assistants. And like he said, it's ridiculous. Like he did all of this. Um, and that was before you could enter a lot of things in computer and spreadsheets and databases and all the electronics and stuff you had to build. You had to do things by hand, you, you know, these things. And it's insane that now the answers just become bloating out this whole administrative, not only administrative, but I mean, there's just so many levels. If you go in, you could easily thin those, those down. Um, I've seen marketing agencies pay people 60 grand a year to do nothing except talk to clients, relay what the marketers want them to know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is this woodshed you speak of? <laughs> so, you know, Nick, just a, just a funny story. So, um, my my uncle, um, my uncle, when he was when he was attending uh, high school, he was he'd skip out of school. It was a three story building that was built in 1908. This this high school he was skipping out it was like back in the 50s, 
And the uh, high school principal had enough of it. So he put him up on the roof, tied a rope around this guy's waist and had the guy go to the edge of the built to the roof to uh, chop off icicles because they would fall on the sidewalk below where the kids and stuff would walk. That was like just a punishment because this guy was like skipping class and stuff like that. I mean, just that the woodshed, right? It was just crazy. Couldn't do that, obviously, today. But um, so bull rush, we need to ease child labor laws. I, I, you're right. You're right. And the other part is we have child labor laws, which we have um, child labor laws. It's one thing to be working in the coal mine in Pennsylvania. It's a different thing to be working um, with with your family on putting some, um, you know, digital sales online and on Instagram for your family. Like there's a company or there's a business, Curiosity Inc., in Curiosity Incorporated. It's a fascinating website. Check it out on YouTube. It's a family company. Um, they they deal in antiques and other things. It's, it's a husband, wife. They're like my age and they've got three kids in Edmonton. And... Um, you know, they, their kids help them out. They take pictures of things in the store. They put them up on Instagram, up on their, their site, you know, for Amazon, eBay, their sales site, their other stuff. But that you're right. That's a great point, Bull Rush. We have to evolve child labor laws. And we also allowing kids to do, you know, internships and, and things like that at a younger age. Um, but again, a lot of these laws go back to when we have the physical labor types type stuff. You know, we don't want kids to be in... Yeah, the coal mines and stuff like that. I get it, but right, we uh, an event like this liberates us. It gets us out of that and clears up our thinking. Where we can say whatever. You know, when I was thirteen. I was working at the county. Um, there was, I couldn't give the name of it, but I was working at a factory, a, a cement factory, concrete factory, two blocks from my house, and they paid me with a personal check for God's sakes because they wanted to keep it off the books. And I was stuffing um, brick that um, I don't what. The concrete, the bricks you would use to to build foundations that are hollow in the inside. I don't know what the hell they're called, but and then my job was to stuff styrofoam inside of these things, and you know it paid. I got paid, but um, it was a great experience. Like I was capable of doing it, and you know, think of kids on farms, like kids doing their things. But again, you're right. The child labor laws they they got they got to change. Um, and Nick, you wrote, the fear is always that work will get in the way of school. It's never that way, or it's never that school will get in the way of work. I think you, you're right, Nick, right? So people say child labor laws, kids need to be kids. But what they're really saying is right now, people advocating this, kids need to be kids. Kids need to be able to play in their four sports a year. You know, their different leagues and all of these things, which <clears throat> this is just water. This is a Gatorade bottle I've had for like five years. That sometimes has mold underneath the cover. It's good. Builds the immune system. So, wow. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely right. I mean, work isn't a bad thing, my God. I mean, all of, all of us guys, like, you know, we worked, right? Worked that. I worked when I, was, when I was high school. I worked at the pool. I opened and closed the pool in our community. Um you know, it's not, we don't have to protect kids. And it gets into this whole concept too of, well, you got to take the gap year, right? You got to take the gap year, get yourself together. No, come on. I mean, that's where, again, the coronavirus shift, I'll call it, is going to get rid of a lot of these things, which which had no place in K-16 education. Um, little mold never hurt anyone. Yeah. It got really bad once. So <laughs> here it is, by the way. But yeah, I figure I'm, I'm, it's making me stronger. 
a man of great strength right here. So folks, um, any, any last questions in the chat? I'll respond to anything. And otherwise, I'm going to do a recap and, and close it up. All right. First of all, Bullrush, Nick, Brent, Atham. Nick, thanks for coming in the chat. Um, didn't give a lot of heads up for this one today, but uh, you know, wanted, wanted to, to get this one out there. If you can share the channel, I appreciate that. Um, subscribers are climbing, so I appreciate um, people getting the content. Uh, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, tell your friends about it. But I mean, it's a book where it's going to make a lot of sense. Self-similarity, Taurus, simulated annealing, how people deal with disasters, Joplin, Missouri uh, tornado, the mom and her daughter who put together JoplinMissouriTornado.org or whatever the hell it is. You can just type in Joplin tornado website on YouTube. They put this website together like on an iPhone minutes after the tornado hit to tell people where to go for resources. And it, and then, I mean, it, it was vital to that recovery in the community. So again, it's that type of thinking that comes out of chaos. It's that type of thinking of we can actually do these things. It's the thinking of Cajun Navy relief using Zello app to be able to dispatch boaters hundreds of miles away to rescue someone through who's using another GPS map of here's where I am. And all of these things like happen and they happen in a rapid, 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 rapid pace when you have something like right now happening. I don't feel the sky's falling. I honestly don't feel, I feel I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm gauging what, it, what is authentically happening around me. We've, you know, positioned well as a family to deal with things. My kids aren't nervous. We'll have things. Spring will come up. We'll get them outside. We've this was supposed to be called Lessons of Lower Manhattan. And that was, you, you'll see reference to it early on. I think there's a subtitle, which is Lessons of Lower Manhattan. And it was a last moment. And it's reason Lessons of Lower Manhattan, right? Because it talked a lot about 9-11 and the rescue, which by the way, like a temporary autonomous zone developed for nine hours and we got 500,000 people off of an island for God's sakes without killing them. And it worked and people got back to some kind of similarity. We're kind of in that state right now. Uh, this temporary autonomous zone is is kind of happening that that we're we're functioning in, but so we're getting self similarity. Self similarity is happening, and if you if you if you play it right, I mean you can you you can I, I think see a lot of opportunities. Like for me personally, I'm looking at this and saying, you know what, I've done a lot of professional development um, with webinars. Like I just did one March third, like a, a international one for uh, school safety and whatever. That's where I'm going to go. Like, there's a ton of opportunity right now to do professional development, moved on to webinar for different types of things. It's going to be a great opportunity. Um, the guys on the island must have followed their flip charts to a T. Nick Schulander. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, you, you're a new, you're on Lower Manhattan. Everything is going crazy around you, and the only command from Admiral Loy of the Coast Guard is, if you have a boat, get down there and do what you can do. And people figure it out. They do what they have to do. And right now, we figure out what we, what we have to do. And if you have neighbors, family, they're figuring out what to do. Again, I think the anxiety is coming down. So let's, I'm going to do a recap. Uh, thanks again for, for being in here today. But so first thing is, uh, yeah, um, what is the Taurus? So think of a bagel. Just explain it to people. Don't give them a bagel for God's sakes. They'll contaminate it because germs live on a, virus lives on the bagel apparently. But no, it's a bagel, right? It's a bagel. So we, all of our lives, they're pretty, pretty routine. Um, and people, people will fight to keep that routine. Even when they're out in chaos, they'll fight to keep that routine, you know? Um, so that, that's, that's where people make a mistake is they don't 
realize quickly that they're into chaos. And that's of anything, right? I mean, if you're going, if your car is about to crash or something like else, you got to be perceptive of your situational awareness, what's happening around you. You get in and you say, We're, I'm in chaos. And you accept it, right? Once you accept chaos, you can start dealing with it, negotiating with it, make negotiating within it. Um, find your options. There's usually a lot of options. When I train people on safety, what I do is I'm like, just evaluate your options all the time. What are the options you have? Let's pause right now. Hey, what are your options you had? You just made a decision. What, what are all the options you have? Oh, here's three options I have that I didn't think about when I made a decision. It's all about options. We have a hell of a lot of options. Make sure you know your options. Keep evaluating your options. Choose from the best option. But people get linear. I have to go from A to B. No, you have a lot of options. Now you're going to have a lot more options than you ever probably had before. So this is not a bad thing at all. Self-similarity. Yeah, don't fight. Don't fight it. Like right now you're out, you're rocketed out here. All the stuff in his 401k is tanking. Like we're down huge, like 25, 35%. What, what should I do? I said, I don't know. I'm not your financial advisor. I can't tell you what to do. Just a friend. No, you, you, you know, but I can't get a hold of my broker right now. Or not broker, it's a financial advisor. Well, financial advisor, that's like a safety expert, right? Anybody can be a financial advisor. That's just a person marketing you aggressive funds of, you know, here's here's your emerging markets, right? Stuff you, they shouldn't have been in any way. They probably should have been with a, you know, like a tax um, in, investment CPA, something like that. So, you know, she, and, and literally three times during the day yesterday, she contacted me as the market went down and down, or it was two days ago when the market's going down, went down again today. What is... Um, what should I do? What should I do? I can't get a hold of the bro broker. They're not telling me they're not available. I'm like, I can't tell you. I mean, you have to negotiate this. You've got to think through this. You've got to think through all this. But I'm looking right now. I'm like, you know, and their headline is like all of the gains under the Trump administration gone. Okay. But I mean, we're not reset to 1930. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a reset of what? Three, four years. I mean, so everything, the people, but when they get consumed by panic, they make horrible, horrible decisions. I don't know what she did. I don't know. Did, you, did they sell everything at a $400,000 loss and now they have to live off the stuff? I don't know. But again, embrace chaos and just get your information, get informed. Um, what is this discretion you speak of? Yeah, discretion. Crazy. Um, so what is chaos? Again, and there are different levels of chaos, minor chaos, if, if you go into uh, the power goes out, right? That's a minor chaos, technically, because it's moving you out of your Taurus, your self-similarity. So, whoa, guys, it moves you out here just outside of the crust. So it's nothing life-threatening unless it goes on for a lot of time and things like that. But um, so it's minor. Major, you know, it could be a car accident. Now we're in the force majeure event. Force majeure, I did a podcast on it, coronavirus so many things happening that we have no control over, but that will find a outcome base and that'll find a self-similarity pretty fast. We just societies, even like that Harbor rescue as chaotic as that was, that will end after a certain amount of time. And we'll have this new similarity that we'll find. Um, recognize you're in chaos and anyone around you who's freaking out anybody. Okay. Anybody who is, is, you know, be the voice of reason, you know, with them <laughs> on this again, call people, or, or text people that you know, and just don't say like, what is the news saying around you? Like, what does your news say at six o'clock? Probably the same damn thing as our news is saying, right? They're just coming on. Um, and what are you seeing when you go outside? What are you seeing when you drive? And my guess, like bull rush, like you said, it's probably not going to be a lot different than it was. Like we had a ramp up here of some things that significantly changed um, last week, kind of immediately. And then it just leveled. And if anything, now it's kind of going down. So and yeah, I know someone's like, I know I'm in this specific area. Yeah, I get that. But, um, you know, as far as like nationally, 
the, the things that I'm getting, it's pretty level. Um, Bullrush, you said TikTok could be the, the future medium of academic instruction. I don't know if it'd be down to that short, but it's but it's amazing, right, how, how we're consolidating uh, stuff down. So check out Victor Frankel's um, work on logotherapy. Um, I'm just going to put it right over here. He, he spells his, the name is spelled a little differently than what you would think. I, I didn't even spell the damn name right. Sorry. He's so he's like, I'm not Victor Frankel, my brother. Um, okay, Victor Frankel, check out his stuff. Search for me. There's a lot of stuff online with it. It's free. I mean, it's put out like, um, I think he put it out in the late 40s, but it's really cool. I mean, it's really, and that'll give you, I mean, God, he lived in a freaking concentration camp, different concentration camps and, you know, as a prisoner and he was serving, then he volunteered as a doctor and he's trying to keep people well with half an aspirin. And here's another thing he said, the people who lived and actually, you know, did well and, and did well afterwards are the people who could process that they were in chaos and felt, you know, that they, they had something to do, some meaning. Like he was saying, there's always meaning, have meaning. His meaning was to help other people get through this, right? So, you know, we, we, it really thins things down to what you really need to keep your mind and your wits about you to get through uh, chaotic times. Inventory your options. Again, yeah, be aware of what's happening around your inventory. Simulated annealing. You, there's a lot of ways to get to the outcome basin. So, you know, if, it, again, we get so linear. People get, you get from point A to point B. We teach people, or the Garmin, how do I get to whatever? And, you know, it's like that road gets closed because of a flood or whatever. Now you have to have a different plan. And that's where we're really, we've been really good at that. Um, Apollo 13 is another simulated annealing type activity. But uh, our education system totally doesn't teach that. And people get really nervous. And you can solve through things. There's many ways to get to an outcome basin. Check out Scott Adams, um, Dilbert. Um, if you just go on Twitter, at Scott Adams says, he's got a lot of other ways where he thinks, this will rocket us forward as a society. Like, for example, the ventilators, they didn't have uh, enough ventilator parts. So one company came up how to 3D print them and instantly had, you know, like four times the amount of ventilator parts. So things like that, you know, that they can make hand sanitizer, uh, you know, at, where they were processing whiskey and things. like. And people come up with stuff, right? We're smart. We're smart society. We're smart people. Um, grade level. So let's go through. I'll read. This is it right here. The five ways school's going to be uh, better off. Education will be better off after coronavirus is done. Um, this event is done. Teacher licenses will be across the U.S. You're not going to have all of this jurisdictional bullshit that we're dealing with right now. Oh, I'm a teacher in Wisconsin. I can't teach in Minnesota. That's bullshit. The second thing is school building referendums. They become bloated. These buildings have way too much crap put in them. And Nick, like we know with the school safety stuff, right? We know the bollards out in front. I have pictures of that in my book. Stuff wasn't needed to be there, but the money was there. And it was convenient to do that type of customer perceived value, social proof. It doesn't need to be there. The money's not going to be there. So you're not part of this. You're not going to be able to, to make these bad decisions because you're going to have to be so much more calculating with your decisions. Not a bad thing. So number three, grade levels are outdated. They've been outdated for a long time. I'm kindergarten. I'm first grade. I'm third grade. No, it's modules. Figure out where the kids' strengths are. Accelerate them. Hey, you're good at coding. You're good at this. Do it. Like, move on fast through that. No, you don't have to take the anthropology class. You don't have to sit there and carve up the top of a toilet seat and cut your fingers all the hell like I did. Number four, virtual education will expand as it should. So yeah, virtual, and that we don't have to go to brick and mortar settings. Number five, educational professional development conferences 
um, that's going to, that stuff will dry up and it should, there's a ton of money being spent on what was basically like a social event. So I'll be gone. So we got some good things coming out of this. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. David Prone. Check out the website, safetyphd.com, safetyphd.com, my book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety, or if you go and leave a review for it, hint, hint, review for it on Amazon. Um, that's always appreciated. And at safetyphd.com on Twitter. So Brent, um, yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for the uh, post there from Hungary. Be well, my friend. Um, yeah, Nick, my child six but reads at uh, 10th grade level. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> right, whatever that means. All right, everybody, I am closing down this show. So thanks again. I'll have this up um, and you can share it. Thank you. <laughs>